0: Welcome to Bruise News. I'm here with Paul Fontaine and our special guest, Chris Samsa, who, if you were paying attention in our Facebook group, he was teasing this AEW New Japan co-promotion here, which on Wednesday, Tony Khan mentioned they were doing a pay-per-view called The Forbidden Door. Chris Samsa, what's going on? Hello,
1: hello. Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: All right, so let's just get right to the nitty-gritty here. Uh, This show, I think, at least this is how I felt, when AEW first came to be, when the teases came out that they were doing something, I think a lot of us expected, oh, like working agreement with New Japan, sort of dream promotion, uh, having a partner kind of taking on WWE. And that was kind of like the, the, the fans who were into these dream matches that was like oh can't wait New Japan and AEW. And then nothing very little happened on that regard especially early on. Now there's been some bits and pieces. We've seen Minoru Suzuki in a pay-per-view. We've seen Kenta on shows, but this is the real first step. It feels like in in some sort of working agreement. Tell me tell me a little bit about what you think is happening here. Well, I think I think
1: the powers that be have finally landed on some sort of agreement that will allow them to cross promote, um, whether that just be big events or um, wrestlers appearing cross promotionally uh, for time periods. I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. And I think this has probably been in the works for a little while now. And and we're finally seeing that travel to specifically travel to Japan is significantly easier and more approachable, I think, for people who make their money per date, essentially, um where they don't have to sit out for two weeks just to wrestle for say two weeks in japan um now now travel that direction is a lot easier. I think New Japan has been um i guess humbled is maybe the right word in the, in the sense of the pandemic breaking down their business a little bit and um and then I think just seeing the seeing proof of concept, right? So AEW kind of did a proof of concept with Impact. And I think that New Japan was probably really attentive to that and um, saw how it affected either Impact's business or AEW's business for that matter. And now they're, I think, a little more open to um, AEW as a official partner right new japan really likes to have official partners and for a very long time in the u.s their official partner was ring of honor and obviously ring of honor saw a a significant decline in business and then eventually the sale to tony khan so um whether that opened up the door no pun intended officially (laughs) um that may have had something to do with it now that uh ring of honor was officially at least in a different state then um it opens up the the opportunity for a new official United States partner. So and I think it's a two-way street. So and I think we'll we'll probably end up talking about that as the as the time goes on today.
0: So you mentioned the ROH piece, which is an interesting piece. Do you know if there was a contract between the two companies that AEW inherited Or like, how does that whole thing work? Because like you said, this has been a very important thing for New Japan. It's like, oh, they have their American company that they work with, which is ROH. And thus, that's who they're going to continue working with.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that it's a contract per se, but I think that there's a, a, a pretty official agreement. And, and we see that publicly a little bit more with Mexico, where they, they will put out an agreement with CMLL, a, a joint statement that these two companies are going to work together. And I think part of that is CMLL trying to play keep away from AAA, um, because those two companies absolutely don't get along. So CMLL, likes to make sure that everyone knows that they are the New Japan, um, you know, buddy promotion in Mexico. So um, when it comes to the U.S. side of things, I I doubt that there is any sort of like contractual agreement besides honor. I mean, again, no pun intended, but 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 truthfully, like the honor system of like we're this is how it's going to work. We're going to send you some of our excursion guys. Um, We'll run co-promoted shows for a long time. Honor Rising was a three or four day event at Cork and Hall um, early in the year in, in Japan. So, you know, what's most interesting to me going forward with the AEW uh, relationship is what does that look like in Japan? Are there mm. Japanese events that bring over the whole, you know, a big segment of the roster? Um, what What is that going to look like, or is it this one big event type thing that they're they're obviously kicking things off with in in the U.S.?
0: Go for it, Paul.
2: Uh, how do you think this affects the relationship with Impact? Given that we've seen a lot of new Japan guys on Impact, is it part of it? Is it separate? Do, do they not even care because it's so small potatoes? I,
1: that's hard for me to say. I, I think the New Japan impact relationship is really strong, and and you see that with all these New Japan or New Japan adjacent guys spending a lot of time on those impact tapes. When
2: you say strong, do you mean
1: New Japan strong, or was it was just another? <laughs> I just high, I'm high, I, high I honest question all sorts of puns. <laughs> okay. No, I I didn't yeah. mean it. Like I didn't, yeah yeah I was no few... okay no I think but I think potentially you might be onto something there where that's the level that appears on impact. Okay. Right. And then new Japan proper or new Japan main roster, I guess, however you want to term it. um, I think that's the relationship that's going to cross over to AEW. So there, there may actually be something there in the sense of segmenting out those relationships, but keeping them both um, healthy. And I, I think impact is probably self-aware enough to be okay with that. And every now and then you're still going to see a guy like Jay White or Kenta or somebody of that level, you know, crossover into the impact space. I, I think that these three companies and then even branching out to, you know, um, in, in Japan and the, the New Japan and NOAA thing that happened. I think all of these companies have recognized that working together is healthy and it's almost a throwback to the old territory system just globally, Whereas some guys can leave the territory for a little while and and you know go work somewhere else and have a good arc and then come back to kind of the homeland and be freshened up and maybe have learned something and and grow. I mean, look at look at Chris Jericho, right? He left wwe or he stepped out from wwe and he went to new japan as a as a guy and and proved that he was still a star and now he's a whole different person than he was five years ago six years ago when he was in in wwe and he grew and he learned he learned what the industry could look like outside of those doors and you know there's some risk involved with that with wrestlers wanting to go somewhere permanently of course but um but if if the relationships remain healthy and honest and um fruitful on all sides then i don't see any reason why impact wouldn't be
0: and continue to be involved in whatever way they are right now you made you, you used an interesting word when you were talking about new japan being open for business uh, in, in this relationship you said humbled mm-hmm. and it, it makes me think back to 2000 in nineteen, where New Japan seemed to be crazy hot and was kind of like, you know, they're going to start doing business here in the U.S. and and bring some of these guys over. You know, I, I've been I, I went to a few New Japan U.S. shows in the in the past. There was the Long Beach show, and you know, in, in SoCal, and then because of the pandemic, all of a sudden things change. But I know there have been issues with leadership on the new Japan U S side, as far as marketing and what, what, uh, what buildings to run, what markets to run. And this is just how I feel. I feel like new Japan, whoever is making these leadership decisions kind of done a bad job so far in, in coming into this market, maybe not completely understanding their value to the U S market. And so, um, first question is mostly like who is running things uh, on the new japan u.s side uh because i know uh back when um gosh i forget the guy's name who was who was the new japan president uh
1: harold harold harold, harold.
0: i i know harold, harold Herald, um i think there was a little bit of a of a conflict in that harold may have wanted to do more and then you know the the the, the, the there was other people involved who who were who were marketing u.s so i guess who is running that and, and is this going to be something where AEW probably leads the marketing because AEW is really hot or is there going to be like, do you think it is going to be sort of a real co-promotion? As far as I know, and as far as
1: I've been told when I, whenever I ask or whoever I've asked is that the U S side of new Japan is being run by the same people that are running the Japanese side. Um, And Obari, who is now the president, the total president of New Japan, was was the person that had been heading up the U.S. um, expansion prior to COVID-19, prior to Harold leaving. And then he stepped into just the president role. Um, So I guess that that answers at least my understanding of that that situation is that it's run by the same people. The booking is done by the same people um through some liaisons right who are on the ground here um and and i think people can probably read between the lines of who's probably uh involved in that but i think officially the booking is done by the same group of people that are booking in um in japan so, and then the business side of things is handled by the the same business people, as as far as I know. And I, you know, it's hard to get a clear answer about some of that stuff. And yeah. I don't, because I, I don't know that it necessarily makes a ton of difference. But um, yeah, I think when it comes to understanding the U.S. market, I think there has been some struggles. And I think, um, I think that their initial attempts at really creating New Japan of America. Was to create a touring brand the same way they're a touring brand in Japan. Instead of, I think, you know, what they've kind of transitioned to now, which is focusing on some tentpole events, right? Maybe six big events, bigger events per year, and then some TV stuff, right? I mean, TV tapings essentially. And I think that that's a good compromise to where they were, um, where they were trying to go, where they were doing these like, six, eight, ten day tours regionally that weren't drawing very well and they were using mostly local talent and a couple of New Japan stars. So I think now uh, New Japan sees that sending their guys over is is good and it, it gives them a chance to do something different and then also work indies and make themselves some money, to be perfectly honest. That doesn't come out of New Japan's pocket.
0: So, But would you expect AEW to really lead the marketing piece. Cause they're the ones with the TV in the U S yeah. they're, th- they're the brand that's really hot. Like I-, I made this comparison and I'm actually interested in what you think about this, the DC show, which is uh Moxley and Tanahashi. I think I saw, I, I forget the exact number of tickets, but less than I would have thought for that match. And in the back of my head, I thought, well, you stamp the AEW logo on that. And it probably does two or three times as much currently. So that is kind of where I'm coming from w- mm-hmm. with that question is I think AEW, because of their foothold in the U.S. currently, I think if they lead the marketing, the U.S. audience really feels like this is this is something special. Well,
1: let's just look at the buildings in Chicago, right? I mean, so I sat in Windy City Riot and it was sold out at 2,250 tickets and it was hot. With, it was with, a great
0: crowd. And with Moxley and Osprey but, as yeah. the main event, that could be a big main event in a bigger building if promoted correctly a hundred percent
1: yeah and and i think there were more tickets to be sold uh to that event but uh, when i look at chicago and, and buildings they were in the it's you go from there to the Sears center right? right like that's that's the gap in chicago there's no five six thousand person venue in chicago um or chicago you gotta, you gotta open
0: one man you gotta open
1: one, uh, listen man. it, it <laughs> might be fruitful it might yeah, yeah. um but i mean that's that's the god's honest truth is that like you go from these you know twenty two twenty three twenty five hundred to ten thousand, and like what's you know the optics are different if you sell out twenty five hundred versus sell five thousand in a ten thousand building, so in that sense, I think they're actually making better decisions um where they they just booked a building they knew they could sell out, and yeah. it was going to be great, right um and then you co-promote a show with AEW and you put it in the freaking United Center, which is the largest indoor building in almost in America, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it's one of the bigger arenas even. So, um, and it's going to sell out. It's going to sell out in minutes and, and it's going to be a big deal. And so AEW has that cachet built up where well, I, I actually think both companies have this cachet built up where they're trusted. And you see new Japan on a, you know if you're a new japan fan and you you've you've caught up and you've kept up you trust that they're going to give you a good show and same deal with AEW i think if AEW comes to your town and you're a wrestling fan and and you you've been paying attention you trust that it's going to be a good show and then you put it back together that's where i mean you put those two companies together you know now this show will build a lot of trust that future co-promoted events will be a big deal. And so it's a, kind of a matter of what they end up doing with it. All
0: right. Well, I'll, I'll let Paul get to his next thing. But if people who are watching want to ask a question or throw a comment in there, just uh, add it and, and we'll, we'll see if uh, we'll, we'll put it up for Chris.
2: I want to follow up on what Garrett was saying uh, regards to. You know, whether or not like this being promoted as an AEW product in North America. Now, obviously, there's two different markets. This is going to be on pay per view, I assume, pay per view over there as well. So, I mean, they're going to promote it on their shows, on their New Japan World, all that. But AEW is going to be using dynamite. And I would think that without that, you know, otherwise, like we see AEW wrestlers on New Japan shows. All the time. It feels like every weekend there's one or two all over the place. And I look at like Moxley Tanahashi, for instance, as as a match that again, like if, if AEW is promoting it, I'm not saying it would headline a pay-per-view. If it was for a title, it would. Um, as a non-title match, you know, it's it's very strong second or third from the top kind of thing, uh, kind of like Moxley Danielson, you know, like you know, that sort of thing for, for this market, maybe not in north in Japan. And you know, I had a spirited debate with uh Jeremy Feinstone about, you know, like (laughs) the meaning of certain guys in this market. And I think there's, there's really four. Jeff Hawkins brought it up on the dynamite show, Tanahashi, Okada, Naito and Ibushi. Those are the guys that haven't been overexposed in this market that can have dream matches with just about any, like the top 10 guys in AEW, any one of those are dream matches. And I think you want to use those, especially Tanahashi, because who knows how long he's going to be able to go at this level. Um, I think you want to get those matches done now. So I, I guess my my question for you would be, if you're putting this card together, um, are you booking title matches or are you just booking attraction matches? And if you do only book attraction matches, how what kind of business would it do in this market? Because for me, I don't think it's special just to see these guys wrestle. I think it's there's got to be some stakes. Maybe the first time it would go, but if if you book the first time, it's all just these tag team matches like they do in Japan sometime, and maybe like a U.S. title match or a TNT title match. You know, it, they may not come back for the second one. It would be my worry. I think you're going to see the
1: major titles on the line, and good, that's good. that's just speculation. Like I don't I don't know anything, but I think that I think I think there's a there's a willingness to do singles matches between the companies and, and this DC new Japan show, that's going to have Ishii and Kingston, Tanahashi Moxley, and it looks like Brody King and Suzuki on it. Ooh. Like those, those are the three things that are kind of glaring and set up. And I think Frederick's and QT Marshall, if that means anything to you, but I mean, that's just a different level, right? Same, same idea, (laughs) right? Yeah. Right. So there's clearly a willingness to do singles matches. Um, and I think that if you're putting it in a building like the United Center and you wanted to prove out this proof this concept that this big show, this big event can can work between these and it can draw and it can make both sides money, which is really what this whole thing comes down to, um, you know, maybe it'll be obvious what the outcome's gonna be, but I think the titles are still gonna be on the line. Good. Okay, so to
0: follow up on this, I think if we were all I mean, Tony Khan is is like living his dream, right? He's like fantasy booking (laughs) for all of us wrestling diehards who always do this in the back of our heads. And CM Punk has a match with uh, Adam Page at Double or Nothing. There's a large discussion going on in our Facebook group about who should win that match. And if you you want to get the biggest bang for your buck, the first impression of this AEW New Japan show, you want to build, whatever the biggest match is. And let's say that that is CM Punk versus Kazuchika Okada, title for title. This fan base is smart enough to see through that kind of match. This isn't WWWF versus NWA from 1978, right? Where you can just do a double count out and no no finish. And I worry a little bit that you kind of have to have a finish in a match like that or sort of what Paul says, that there may be less intrigue the next time around because they feel like, the fan base feels like they're not being treated properly and, and as smartly as they are. But then again, if there is some back and forth here between the two companies and you unify the titles, as we've seen, New Japan has not been hesitant to do uh in the last couple of years. And then you bring the, you know, you you can bring them back for big shows. You can do that as well, which I don't know if that's better or 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 worse than just having a, you know, a Okada go over against somebody on AW and then Punk go over against somebody on, on New Japan. Like I'm trying to anticipate what the audience would want out of these matches because it's not just about the in ring in today's wrestling, I feel like the finishes where it goes next is so much more important, especially when you're paying money, considering you can watch WWE for 10 bucks a month. You're, you're paying real money for, for this show. So I'm kind of interested in what your thoughts are on booking finishes and, 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 and if, there, if you would even be worried about that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's the most interesting thing to me, because um, I'm not necessarily—I'm not a star rating guy, right? So I'm a—I'm a booking guy. So when it comes down to what I pay most attention to, it's the trends in in booking. It's the, you know, the who's and hows. So here's what I'll say: I don't think you're going to see title for title. Like, I—I I would be—I'll be more shocked to see title for title than to not see titles on the line at all, because um, I—I just A, I think it it uh, minimizes the number of meaningful matches on the card, and I think that that's bad. You know, I think that if you put both titles on the line separately, then you've got two big matches, two world title matches, Um, and I think that that's going to come into play. And I and and I think that the booking's already complicated. Yeah, and when you add in both champions unless it's the only way I could see it title for title is if Moxley got involved because he's I, I think it's important to not forget that he's contracted to both companies he's not an AEW guy who is allowed to work New Japan he is a person who is contracted with both companies at least that's been what he has said publicly and that's what's been that's what we've kind of seen. Um, I think that there's obviously a priority pay, paid to AEW, as we saw when he got pulled off of the Battle in the Valley show. But he, you know, he I don't know that Tony Khan um, necessarily has 100 percent control over his booking the same way he does with probably pretty much everyone else on the roster. And that's again, speculation and based on what Moxley has said in interviews. So um, he's the only guy that I could see like carrying around both belts. And I just don't, I don't see a trajectory to, to get him to that point right now. So, you know, I think when it comes down to it, I think both titles are going to be on the line and I think they're going to be on the line separately. And I think that, um you know my bet would be that the aew title match will be the main event um i don't know if that answers everything you said but that's kind of where i see this this headed um but there's a chance that it's punk okada and okada's the champ and that's the biggest match in the united center where where punk came back to wrestling i mean that all makes so much sense to me you gotta figure punk's gonna have a big match
0: and that's the biggest match he could have so well, th- so, we'll so in in your hypothetical booking here, you would think that would mean Adam Page retains mm-hmm. punk challenges without the title for Okada.
1: Punk comes out the next Wednesday and said, you know, there's another title out there that's a pretty big deal. And and these guys are coming to my city and my town and my building. Okada, let's do this thing, right? It's simple. That's really easy to get to. So and if that's the case, then to be to be honest there's a chance punk wins that damn title too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like why not? If you can get, if you can get punk for, I don't know, three dates in Japan, um, you put the title on him and you, you, you let it sit on ice for a little while or or whatever during the G one, when they're not going to need it. So that's look at, let's look at the calendar, right? Like you got this event and then two weeks later, you've got the G one starting. So there's no defense needed until September. Right. And maybe that's at all out when he loses it to someone back in Japan. It, there's any number of things you can do because that title's kind of not needed for a little while while the G1 happens. So that totally opens up the door, I think, to the IWGP title match in,
2: in United Center. So my 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 thing that I that I would do, and this is what I had proposed in the book, was I think Punk's winning the title at at Double or Nothing, and I know that you know there's some quite heated debate on, you know, what, who's gonna retain <laughs> the title. I would have Punk defend against a top New Japan guy, have Okada defend against a top AEW guy, and then they do the confrontation and set up the match at all at all out as a as a, a unified title defense or a title for title. You know, and and also, I would also have on the undercard, either an IC TNT ti- or a US TNT title defense or a tag team titles, like have a unification match on the undercard and actually have the titles unified, which puts it in the fans' minds that, hey, this we're going to have a title for title match in September and the titles actually could get unified. And I would do that with Moxley and Danielson, have, yeah. you know, have them win the tag team titles double or nothing and then unify them with the new Japan titles at, uh, at this United center show.
0: That's, That's- very, very intriguing. Uh, so I want to take one question from the aforementioned Jeremy Feinstone. He wants to know, uh, what do you think about the idea that the trios titles being introduced for the first time on forbidden door and dynamite begins to have new Japan trios title matches there. Uh Sure. They have. I mean, they have. I yeah, have a hundred titles yeah. right now. With yeah. Roh, <laughs> what's adding a new one? <laughs> and and I mean, Roh has groups.
1: Roh yeah. has a trios title that they're ignoring. So, yeah. um, and I, I don't, I, I couldn't even tell you where it landed or. I think it's the foundation, but I'm not positive. I can't. Who else? I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> um, yeah. See, I don't know. I, new Japan needs their titles too. So let's let's not forget that. New Japan is a company that operates on its own and is, is very successful <laughs> also right so and and let's not forget that aew probably wants the benefit of having their guys and their name all over the Tokyo Dome at some point coming up soon right so if we're doing two nights at the Tokyo Dome still we're running out of titles to unify in, in new Japan so you may as well do one night that's your new Japan show and one night that's new Japan aew right and like maybe maybe that's the direction we're headed and is that bigger than the United center? I mean, physically. Yeah. Right. Is it bigger at scale? Yeah. I, you know, it's bigger to a lot of those guys that wrestle so that want to wrestle in the Tokyo dome. So, um, so I think that's an important thing to keep in mind in this particular circle that, that I see the, I see the conversations, which are, you know that that New Japan is clearly the number 2 in this relationship and and they probably are right but they also carry a lot of weight and they carry a lot of weight in the industry as a whole and i'm sure that everyone on the AEW side knows that and i think sometimes the fan base forgets that how much legacy New Japan holds and how much respect that uh, they're they're paid and and given and um you know they need they will need their title in the fall after the G one and they will need, you know, I think, yeah, they could go without the never six man titles for a little while because they kind of sit around for a while and then (laughs) they have an activity time and then they come back and there's a cork and show and maybe they get defended, right? Like that's the title that, that kind of lives at that level. But um, I think to just drop it, drop one or unify one and make it obvious that it's going to be an AEW guy unifying one, like, why not someone like kenta Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. if he's back and healthy etc right or jay white for that matter because he's clearly made his home base in the u.s instead of in japan for now so i think that and then all those things are really interesting right i would like i would love to see the tnt and say the u.s or the never title be combined for some period of time i think that's the level that you could see a unification tag team too right Mm -hmm. Um, or to see the AEW, someone in, on the AEW side of things win the junior tag titles, something like that, right? Like those, all those undercard titles, I think could be in play. But I don't think I don't think we're ever going to see a unified AEW and IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. I think that's they're both too important to to drawing at both of their both sides of the ocean. So.
0: I recorded Wrestling Observer Radio this morning with Dave, and we, we spent a good 25 minutes talking about this show. The one thing I forgot to ask him, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up here and, and get your guys' thoughts. So, the last two big announcements from Tony Khan. The first one was about ROH, then they did that show, WrestleMania Weekend. Now this one about New Japan. I feel like the New Japan announcement is so much more interesting, so much more important, uh, Can has the, the opportunity to make them so much more money than this ROH thing. And I already feel like the ROH deal is uh, not overlooked because I'm sure Tony Khan has some long-term plans. But it just makes me wonder what that ROH brand means. If this new Japan thing is, is what the dream is for a lot of the fan base and the ROH thing is a little bit, you know, sort of lesser to, to this fan base. Any any thoughts about that?
1: I think the new Japan announcement is a beginning and the ROH announcement was an end. Hmm. So beginnings are more exciting than ends. Usually, um, Maybe Tony Khan has some long-term play with ROH. I mean, he should. He owns a brand that's got a lot of legacy, right? Um, and I'm sure he does. I'm sure he has, He's trying to put together a lot. I think, but but the New Japan, it, the New Japan deal is is a. It's what everyone wanted in 2019 when this thing was announced. And there's so many reasons why that didn't happen. There's so much conversation about that um, that you could find elsewhere. But it it didn't happen, and it it was it was uh, pretty clear for a little while that it wasn't going to happen. And that's why this became the forbidden door. It was something that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, So, and the ROH deal, ROH had, they they were shoveling dirt on their own grave and then Tony <laughs> Khan went and bought them. So, you know, what's exciting about that? Whereas new Japan, yes, they've had a down couple of years and the pandemic was not kind to them because new Japan is actually probably the most international pro wrestling company on the planet where they, they are dependent on Americans, Australians, Mexico, people from Mexico, people from the UK getting to Japan and it becomes this hybrid promotion. Um, and you know when you you can't accomplish all that and you're down to just your domestic talent it was it got a little dry right so um you know now you see new japan the the kind of international version of it coming back to life and AEW dipping their toe in that and that's really that's really exciting because now this whole talent pool is essentially available for new japan to at least have some access to um and i think that that's Going to be really important for New Japan going forward.
2: Paul, does does ROH feel a little bit like yesterday's news already? Um, well, or maybe it's uh, to use another pun, maybe it's a new beginning. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I'm excited about ROH, but I've always been an ROH fan. You know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a historian going back. And there, there well are there are a lot of people years. who are like you. Um, as well. So I got two questions for you, Chris. One of them is is a quick one, following up on what you just said, and the answer is obvious, but I still want to hear you give it. Um, do you think that this uh, this uh, forbidden door idea is bigger now because we had to wait three years for it than it would have been if we could have just done it out of the shoot? yeah, oh, absolutely
1: okay. because I think the I think the fan base never stopped wanting it, and I think a lot of people in wrestling media said it was never going to happen right? I mean, I can point to you know, super J cast and Dave and <laughs> Wade Keller and, uh, you know, Joe Lanza and all these guys that basically said like, it ain't happening. The relationship's not good. Right. Yeah. Like it, and it wasn't right. We, we all know that it wasn't good and that certain parties were not interested. So, and then some of those parties are gone. Some of those parties are still around, but they're in different positions. And and now this whole thing can happen. And AEW's established itself, right? Like, mm-hmm. I would have been shocked if new Japan got into a relationship with AEW before they ran a show.
2: Yeah. That's and, just, that's just and, not how they work. The, and now the other thing is with the, because of the pandemic um, new Japan needs uh, an American partner to bring guys in to help fill, sell tickets to the domes. Show.
1: Absolutely. And I think they've yeah. always wanted American part. They've always yeah. had an American partner, right. Yeah. And for so long when ROH pre pandemic ROH was healthy They were running pretty big shows. They were running, uh, you know, Hammerstein Ballroom. And, you know, they were a great partner for New Japan. And they just, they died throughout the pandemic. I mean, like, really, the pandemic killed ROH more than it killed New Japan. Um, So, yeah, I think this is a a way bigger deal. And also, AEW's proven that they can run these big buildings on their own. They ran United Center for Rampage. Yeah. I mean, yes, CM Punk returning, <laughs> right? Like special circumstances, but like, that's not even like the, does any, I was in the building. I don't remember what matches happened on that. And I was just there cause it was a big event. AEW can run big events in the U S especially in Chicago. Then my, my other
2: question, and I haven't heard anyone bring this up. I haven't heard all the discussion on this, but, um, the timing of the show one week before money in the bank. Uh, do you think that is by design to try to get some buzz, maybe to try and get some of the traveling fans, try to hurt WWE, or is it just coincidence? I I think that the
1: timing of the show, I think, is more important on the New Japan side as it will build towards the G1. Okay, And I think, I don't think we will know who on the AEW side is going to participate in the G1 until th- this night. I think that's going to be part of the, the buzz building. Um, so... And of course, I look at things through a New Japan lens, right? Mm-hmm. I, that's my that's my lane in this whole thing. Um, but I'm an AEW fan. I'm super attentive to what they're what they have happening. Um, timing wise, though, I think like it was either now, like when they booked it, or it was August, September, and then you're into the space of of all out. Right. Um, and you're probably looking at a different city even then. Or you're yeah. just looking at the same weekend as All Out, and that's what you run for All Out. But I'm sure AEW's got their own, you know, they've got their own arcs, right? So I don't know that there was a, another option besides waiting
0: even longer. Maybe just a happy coincidence. So here's i I'm already looking at Double or Not. Chris, are you coming to Vegas? I don't think so. Oh, oh man. man. I was trying Uh, to go.
1: I was I'm trying to go to DC in a month. I might go to Vegas. I you know, I keep my options open. Um, but now I why would I ever leave Chicago, Garrett? Yeah, (laughs) everything
2: comes to you. (laughs) Jeez. Maybe Um, maybe I'll come
0: see you in june So my question is related to double or nothing because they're more of a just wondering what you guys think. So this pay-per-view is uh less is it less than a month? It's about four four weeks. weeks, So you got four weeks of TV for AEW to build to this show. They do a really good job about not telling us what the surprises are, but allowing us to kind of build the surprises on social media for them. I would imagine there's going to be a big player from New Japan or maybe more than one at that show. And they don't even necessarily have to be uh, wrestling on the show. But it, it would make a lot of sense to me based on how they built uh, All Out for the next few weeks out of TV, for them to kind of create something there at that show, that giant surprise, the crowd goes nuts, and you use that to, to kind of kick off the next four weeks of television. Does that does that make sense to, to you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing. Uh,
1: for most of May every heavyweight that works for new Japan is pretty much wide open and available because, uh, it's best of super junior season. So, and that goes all the way to June 3rd. So heavyweights, which is why all these heavyweights are coming in for, um, this DC show at, on May 14th from then on, right. Maybe they just stick around. They yeah. may just stick around. Right. So there may I, not I be- want
0: to take Okada to a Giants game. That's what I want to do. He would have a great time. <laughs> He's a big baseball guy. I know. That's why. Yeah. When uh, when Dave and I interviewed him, I had to throw in a baseball question, but I was just, like trying to figure out, like, how do I just, you know, create some sort of I Id- and, and so Seiya Suzuki, who signed with the Cubs, Mm-hmm. giants were really high on him. And then I mentioned it to Okada and also kind of talked about Otani at the same time. So I, I knew that, but then you told me, didn't you say that Naito was even a bigger baseball fan? Naito's huge baseball fan. Huge, maybe that, huge, huge maybe baseball that's maybe that's maybe both of them. No,
2: maybe, maybe for the uh, sweet party, you can get a sheet <laughs> G-E there and uh, he can, you can charge $10 for him to chop people.
0: Oh my God. He Remember, just... I, I asked Brian Danielson about that. And he yeah. didn't remember chopping Ed's jacket. I, I belly. heard that. Yeah. I was there. It happened. <laughs> it did. I, was, I, I, very, I mean, I was I, I remember it so well that I remembered yeah. the t-shirt he was wearing that day. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh I, I lost my train of thought because we went Sorry. in a completely different direction, but I do have another question from uh Mel, the great Mel Gray, who Paul had recently interviewed and had on his show she asks uh, what's the possibility of a kevin kelly don callis reunion at ringside um, my understanding
1: is that this is an AEW production okay that sucks That's i mean not-
2: i mean it's it's great but i'd love to see kevin I, kelly I, on this show i i also
1: know that Kevin Kelly's phone is always on. <laughs> not that I not that I represent him or anything, but I can usually get a hold of him. So um, I'd imagine someone else who is much more important than I am would be able to get a hold of him if they wanted to.
0: So we were having this discussion. Who was I having this discussion with about announcers? And um, I think it's probably LaRocca uh, on the f- one, of, one of the podcasts that I do with him. And I was, you know, I was talking about some of the things that Excalibur, Excalibur does really well. The thing that I respect about him the most is his ability to know exactly the name of every move as it's happening. Like, I, I don't know if that's studying or just being that so dialed into the product. I think that is fascinating to me. I could never do it. I, I, I can't even remember you know, certain very easy to remember moves. Like I'll see an abdominal, uh, abdominal stretch and I'll go uh uh abdominal stretch. Like he, he does it so effortlessly. Right. But from a big picture perspective, because maybe it's because he's focusing on these moves so much, I think he misses some big things, which is why having Ross there is great. And I know people, you know, some people like to crap on Ross. Um, And then when we were talking, I was like, or we just have Kevin Kelly, who can do both things extremely well, and he's like the best guy going today. And I, I mean, because of what you said, AEW pay per view, you're not going to bring in New Japan's ace guy, who is the best guy, probably, unless maybe maybe he comes in to call like a one of the one of the big matches or, or one or two of the big matches. Uh, but man, what what a fascinating thing that would see to to see Kevin Kelly. Call an AEW match, like I think that would be awesome. Yeah,
1: well, and Kevin did a great job when he was with Ring of Honor. Um, so Kevin, and Kevin, you know, I I can't speak higher, of Kevin. He's he's great. He's great for me. He's great. You know, he he bought me a really nice hot dog when he was in Chicago. <laughs> um, hot dog and a handshake. You know, um, so good, dude. And I, you know, but let's again, let's let's look to the future, right? The next time they do an event of this caliber is probably going to be in Japan, which yeah. means it'll be a Japanese New Japan production, which means Chris Charlton, Kevin yeah. Kelly, right? And whoever else, right? It comes along for the ride. So, I, I, this is again, this is a beginning. And I don't think this is an only either, right? So, and, and you can look at the Ring of Honor Madison Square Garden show as a little bit of a template but like they had everyone they could think of they put at the announce table at some point during that show right i don't think they're gonna do this big like rotating announcer thing but maybe they will maybe you know i haven't i haven't asked kevin about whether he's coming in for it um so for all i know they're already they're already talking and figuring stuff out so but yeah i mean a new japan produced show would have new japan english announcing and would have you know those guys doing doing shows the best, some of the better, some of the best commentary I've ever heard was when Kevin and Excalibur worked together. Um, it was, a, a, I think, an entire New Japan Cup tour, maybe 17 or 18, maybe it was 19. Um, either way, they did, they did the whole New Japan Cup or most of the New Japan Cup together, and they were a great pairing. So that would be a really cool thing to see. But I, I, my understanding is that this is an AEW production,
2: which means I think you're going to see AEW commentary could they maybe have Kevin Kelly and Chris do um, like a separate version for the, for new Japan? Well, so new Japan, it's going to, in Japan, it's
1: going to have Japanese commentary on new Japan world. So uh, maybe, but I uh, kind of, what? Yeah. why, you yeah. know, get a few more bucks. People want to hear Kevin Kelly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure they would do it. Um, yeah. And I'm sure they're both, looking at how to get to chicago yeah. right so because i think i think that would be one of the better things to do is to have kind of both sides at the table to tell the stories that are going on because they're intricate you know i mean like you know even though kevin and chris i know they don't get notes from you know new japan booking or production or anything but they can you read your you're there, you can sit and you read between the lines of what's going to happen next and you can start to tell the story. So
0: I I just said, I, I, you know, I mentioned JR. I love JR. Tony is, he's mailing it in, in a very nice way because I don't think he really adds much to the broadcast (laughs) except for that he's just a likable dude. But I also know how stubborn JR could be in calling the new Japan stuff, right? Like he he's, he's done new Japan shows before for American television. And, you know, people have their opinions on, on how well he did, but he is not, he is, he is not going to watch hours and hours and hours of footage to make sure that he knows everything that is going on correctly. He just wants to call it fresh as if he doesn't know what's going on. I do think that could be a problem with the broadcast and could be frustrating for AEW viewers.
2: Mm,
1: Yeah, maybe. I think, I mean, JR's polarizing. I mean, people feel about JR, how they feel about JR. Um, When JR was doing New Japan, or when he started doing New Japan, he was, I, I know, first and secondhand, that he was very willing to accept research.
0: And yes. accept help. Right. Accept, accept help, not yeah, do right. the research, but get help from people for sure.
1: And I, you know, we I would only imagine. And, and honestly, anytime a New Japan guy shows up on here, here's where Tony Chivani comes into play here. Every time a New Japan guy shows up on AEW, Tony's the one with the little nuggets about that New Japan guy. And, and they're probably coming from Tony Khan or Mookie or, you know, whoever's doing. They're not coming from you. Uh, nobody's calling. <laughs> I don't know if they can afford me. <laughs> uh, do, they, do they have hot dogs at AEW? They, they, uh, they don't.
2: Here, here, they here's don't. a hot. Here's
0: a hot tip. White Clause. Hot tip for Jim Ross, for Tony Schiavone, come Forbidden Door pay per view. Where I'm gonna put? I'm gonna flash this again. Find Chris. <laughs> find Chris's website, sportofprowrestling.com. dot Find him on Twitter utilize Chris because he is going to enhance your broadcast with his information. That's just my little PSA there. DM him for his Vimo information. <laughs> hey, just a hot dog. If we're in Chicago. Portillo's is down the street from the United Center. <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to wrap this up in a second here, but uh, just uh, you mentioned the, uh, the Madison square garden show, which that I, I was there. It was a great event that building is fantastic. Now, I imagine WWE has a little bit more of a foothold on it these days because they're running it a lot more. But that would have been a great idea to run AEW and New Japan back in that Madison Square Garden show or back in Madison Square Garden because, you know, what a what a landmark event that was. And then all of a sudden, you know, we create this frustration with WWE all over again. Uh, but I, I wonder, I wonder if there was any thought of doing it there. I w- I would imagine so because New Japan
1: loves New York, um, and historical buildings, right? And I, the United Center is not quite that, obviously, right? And New Japan is New Japan has retained a relationship with Madison Square Garden. They were going to run it in August of 2020. Um, themselves when they were a hot product you know that as hot as they've ever been and they were going to run what the hell were they going to call that show mm. wrestle dynasty wrestle dynasty mm. and then they they obviously canceled that pandemic and sent at that time they said we'll run a show in in 2021 and 2021 wasn't you know what anyone wanted it to be either so i don't know how long that will stretch out but i think that new japan was clearly willing to go through whatever paces they need to, to run Madison square garden. So maybe that's a benefit. AEW ends up getting out of this whole thing. If they want to do another one of these big shows in the U S you know, I do think it'll bounce back and forth. I think the next big one will be in Japan, but I, I think that um, once they come on back, I, I, why not Madison Square Garden? I know that I know that the AEW side really likes Arthur Ashe. Though when it comes to New York, it's kind right. of like they're trying to know, make that their own. Yeah, which is that, and if they have that, and the United Center, and I guess the Forum, or whatever you know, whatever big space they want to do now, that's those are fine buildings yeah, to have as, great, your, as your home
0: bases. Those Rogers Center business. too There'd be another sure. one in Toronto. Uh, Paul, did you have anything else? Yeah, uh, I have I a couple a, more comments I'm going to add, but I wanted to give you the. Last I got couple. a question for you, Garrett. Okay, uh, because you're all about
2: the. Uh, you're you're fascinated by the, the battle, uh, between WWE and and AW and and that Nick Khan and Tony Khan and Vince and, so what do you, what do you think uh, if anything and Chris if you had any thoughts you could add too but what do you think WWE might do now to try to counteract this, because you know they will.
0: Or are you Yeah that's an that's an well? interesting question. Um they tried supposedly with when when Brian Danielson w- was going to leave, right? Like I don't know if Chris how much Chris knows about that story, but I, I only know what what Dave has said publicly about the situation about how uh Nick Khan said, you know, yeah, we we'll, we'll try to open up something and and do a partnership there. Obviously Danielson still left so they didn't have to do it. Um I but I do I kind of wonder if they think that this is not that not as important to their business outside of AEW adding another pay per view to their calendar, because they've been AEW has been pretty consistent in you know the five shows or or whatever that they do. Now this is a six show. Um, it, it's going to gain, uh, you know, it's going to gain a lot of publicity for them in in some way. But I, I wonder if the WWE goes well. You know, they're running United Center, but we're in Vegas. And then we're in the stadium in Tennessee. That's sort of the difference between the two companies. I do wonder if they're going to react. And I don't know what what that would be because it's not going to be a talent thing because they've already proven that they don't really respect the international talent that they already have. I mean, we saw the whole Kushida thing. Which was driving me nuts—the Kashida and and the Ikeminjiro situation. There was some real ra- bad racial stuff going on in those stories, and it was like nobody was saying anything. And I'm like, this is a problem. Like, we should not have this stuff on on TV in 2022. I just don't. I just don't know if they, if they see that as a big thing. But Chris, wonder about your thoughts.
1: Um. I think it was announced so close to the date that I don't know that they're going to have an opportunity to really counter-program it. Um, two months is a long time, but WWE's calendar is pretty set. Um, so in in that sense, I don't think they're going to counter-program it. But I think that WWE never got any sort of stronghold in Japan. Um, and they, they conti- they're a very niche uh, wrestling product in Japan because there's so many i guess non-niche wrestling products in Japan. So um they so that that's definitely not a priority of theirs and then you know when it comes to US business they're already doing their best against AEW to to you know counteract their growth and if their fan base and twitter is any uh, indication of how WWE feels about it um this is just fan service for aew fans and they're this is not actual growth for them which is you know you can take that for for what it is they're still going to sell at the united center and sell a bunch of pay-per-views that they wouldn't have sold otherwise even if they're only getting half the money that's still half of a yeah. lot yeah. so um so I, I you know if i'm wwe i stay the course and. St- say i'm i'm doing just fine and and my our product is what it is and they can they can AEW can gobble up all the partnerships because you know a partnership with wwe there's a clear um <laughs> a clear leader with with that no matter who's partnering with them and and you know at least with AEW
0: you got some question of how the booking's going to go yeah yeah, all right. Just add a couple of uh, comments uh, before we get out of here from the folks watching the live stream. I'm actually not sure who this person is, but it said John Pollock was the guy helping Jr. He said as much in one of his podcasts when he had John on as a guest. John, I'm sure, was one. There were others. As there, well, there. Helping. Jr. took a lot. <laughs> Jr. was super
1: willing to to receive. Uh, notes and feedback and things of the sort. Jr. is not smart,
0: which was very smart. Absolutely,
1: and and it's I I personally believe it's smart of any broadcaster yes. to take any notes from me. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I think, but I think that that's always been the case with pro wrestling and and broadcast. So, but I'm sure John had plenty
0: to to do with that as well. All right, last one is from our friend Lou. And I think this sort of relates to every faction that currently has a little bit of crossover. Just, uh, do you think they will bring in Suzuki Goon as as a as a faction for the show? Since AEW has Archer,
1: I think that'd be probably the the group to bring in if you were bringing in a whole group yeah. because Suzuki's so over in in America, and people love Zack Saber Jr. and he's a great mouthpiece. Um, Dookie can do whatever it is he wants
2: to do <laughs> that day and and jump off of something so yeah absolutely i think I, would... I even have a match i i proposed it was suzuki and archer against uh um swerve and keith lee yeah like for an undercard match yeah. and then danielson and uh, moxley against the dangerous trekkers like i want to see that one oh that sounds fun that'd yeah. be cool for for one of the tag team titles, yeah, or, or just to do it, or just to do it, yeah, yeah. Because then you get Danielson and and Zack Saber in the same match, which can build to a singles match down the
0: road, builds to their inevitable G one yeah. match a month later, sure. Yeah, you have some oh. Instagram DM access to Tony Khan, don't you, Paul? <laughs> uh, shoot a shoot him a couple of notes. A quick a quick one. Um, do you think
2: that AEW airs uh, any of the G one matches on their TV if they have AEW guys in them? No. No, uh, Okay. I don't think so. I don't I just don't think they
1: I think AEW does a really good job balancing the live experience versus the TV show.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: that that would be the the part the so unless that it was on Rampage.
0: Yeah. Could, remember a few years ago they kicked off the G1 in the United States. Mm-hmm. If if there is a little bit if there is somebody who's possibly in the US at the time, maybe they could kick off the G1 or, or or and talk about new japan world uh with with a match you know a couple weeks before the G1 actually really starts or something like that would be interesting
1: yeah and the G1 schedule is a little wacky there's an extra date so I, maybe, it's hard, that could it's be hard to figure out exactly what they're. Yeah, I mean, I'm a math guy, and I can't figure out how the how all the blocks.
2: That would, that would be cool, no. honestly, to have like a day of G1 on Dynamite. Like, I don't know if it's feasible, but that would be that would be the best of both worlds because then you can drive subscriptions to NJPW World. You get these guys on American TV. You know, like
1: it would I, cool. I'd do that if
2: if I could figure it out how to I do think, it. I think
1: I think that's pretty unlikely, just based on how yeah. things work with with New Japan, yeah. and let's not forget New Japan has um Access TV they have they have right. television sure. in yeah, the US sure. and i think that um they're working really hard to try to get the g1 almost or get the product almost up to date for when the g1 is happening so that they can then leverage the g1 to drive some tv ratings so they're
2: not that far behind i'm i'm i watch that show and and they're doing new japan cup stuff right now
1: yeah i think thursday was the new japan cup semis which means probably next week is the finals and there hasn't been that much between now and and then so they they should be caught up by then which i think is probably the goal
0: awesome all right, Chris, thanks again. I love it when we get a chance to chat. Uh, there's the the Twitter handle, at TheChrisSamsa. Check out his website, sportofprowrestling.com. And uh, anything else you want to plug? No, that's it. You nailed it for me. All right, Paul? Uh, just
2: the regular stuff uh, in the clinch uh, on uh fight, fight game media network and uh dynamite show on the Patreon. Uh, I haven't got any guests lined up for next week for grandpa Dez, but I got some stuff in mind. Got to get Chris on at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have, I've been trying to do one or two shows every week and uh, we're going to start bringing back some past favorites and uh, everyone, if you haven't bought your tickets to Vegas yet, go to double or nothing.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. It's going to be a really fun time. All right, so thank you to Chris for jumping on here with us. As always, thanks to Paul for doing this with me. I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.